loved these people since the day we arrived. When you love something, you protect it. And I'm joined today by the one and only, our reigning, defending, universal, cold-breaking champion himself, Nathan Pig. Nathan, how are you, sir? I'm good, Phoenix. It's good to be back. You know, I had a couple weeks off there. Uh, Sometimes my job uh, makes me miss on Sundays, but we are back. We are here. Happy to be talking about Eternals and uh, glad to see your smiling face again. Yes, I am uh, excited, especially to talk about this film and, uh, you know, awake, barely, but I got my Great Lakes uh, Christmas ale because we are nearing the holiday season. Anyone who works in retail knows that it is officially once Halloween ends, it is Christmas season. So Merry Christmas to you all (laughs) as this season goes on. All right. So, yeah, we are talking officially eternal. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. We're Eternals. We came here 7,000 years ago. to protect humans from the deviants. Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos? Or any war, all the other terrible things throughout history? We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved. By who? We need to find the others. seen some of them for centuries. I... Directed Hello. by Chloe Zhao. It is the 25th film, I believe, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is that correct? 25th or 26th? I think it's 26th. 26th? Yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah, of course. After Black Widow and Shang-Chi. Yes. 26th, maybe 27th. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll look that up. But, yes, <laughs> it is up there in the uh mcu and um we both got a chance to see it this past weekend nathan this has been the most anticipated marvel project i think in recent memory what were your initial thoughts coming out of eternals coming out of eternals um yeah we'll start non-spoiler for those that haven't seen it 
uh, talk about that for a few minutes and then break into our spoilers. Um, for me, I thought this was a lot of fun. I did. Walking out of the theater, um, I didn't see why all the critics were hating on this movie. I didn't understand it. Um, of course, the big the big story before anyone really saw this movie, general audience-wise, was the critics hated it. It was rotten on Rotten Tomatoes for a time. Um, critics had pretty much nothing positive to say about it, and that was strange. Uh, but then once general audience saw it, generally the tides turned on that. And I know there are some people who feel very heavily that this film is not very good, but nonetheless, the tides did turn and it's back to a positive score for me. When I was leaving, I didn't understand why critics were like that. Now it wasn't top tier MCU by any means. And I definitely had some issues, but walking out, I said, wow, that was fun. The two and a half hour runtime did not bother me whatsoever. Um, and it did some really great things that I'm looking forward to talking about. I saw this two days ago from the time we're recording this. As more hours, as more days go by, I like it less and less. The more I think about it, this is not a movie that has grown on me post viewing. It's more so the opposite way around. I, the more that I think about it, the more problems I have. Um, but initially leaving the theater, I had a great time with it. Okay. Uh, yes, you definitely brought up uh, one of the key issues about this film was the critics' uh, response to it was um, underwhelming, to say the least. Uh, they were pretty much... It was even for the most part. Now it is under 50%. Uh, at least on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, critics weren't in love with it. The audience score came in, and it, the audience score is a lot better, even though now it has also dropped. Uh, but personally, I walked out of this movie, and I was much like you. Like I think the critics uh, were overly harsh on this film. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I thought it, it did a lot of things really well. Um, and I would say that my appreciation for the film since uh, in the in the two days that we've uh, seen it has gone up. Actually, my mine is uh, quite the opposite. My appreciation for it has gone up a great deal because uh, I've just I don't know. I've noticed uh, different elements of the story that I really appreciated and just the way things were done that I, I, I just really, really enjoyed and was just over overly impressed by and. You know, for me, like like I said, walking out of the theater, I was I was kind of not even like upset, but more like completely baffled as to how people didn't connect with this movie, like what what really they were unsettled with. So I'm interested to dive into it because uh, I feel like that's something that we can definitely clear the air on. Because me personally, I just found more and more things to love about it. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and you want to go ahead and break the seal now? Or is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. All right. We are uh, we're breaking the seal. We are talking spoilers for Shang-Chi. I'm sorry, not Shang-Chi for Eternals. 
this is what happens as I was trying to get the live going. Right. Um, we're talking spoilers for Eternals. Um, so this film is directed by Chloe Zhao, who, for those who are unfamiliar, directed Nomadland, which won Best Picture at the 2021 uh, Oscars. Whether it was a deserving Best Picture or not, that's something that we'll get into a little later on. But I think there's no doubt now that Chloe Zhao is a talented director and she was a great choice for this film. Whether you like the film, whether you don't, whether you have some big issues, I don't think there's any denying that Chloe Zhao is a fantastic director at this point. I would definitely 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, I was uh, one of those people who was not taken aback, or uh, you know, really taken with uh, Nomadland, although I did feel like there were a- a- aspects of it that were really, really great. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I think those aspects came through in Eternals, actually. So um, it was great to see uh, the first ever Academy Award winning director helm a Marvel project and to bring her sensibilities and the things that she sees to the to the MCU, I thought was just uh, really tremendous. And her vision for the film was impressive I, I i in my opinion i just think the one of the things that chloe Zhao does well is she has incredible visuals and you know what i'm saying and her visuals and and the landscape she chooses really kind of accentuate her characters really accentuate her cinematography so i'm like that was something that nomadland was really strong in and it was something that you could definitely see in eternals and that was just one thing that I really, really enjoyed. She's just stylistically a great director. She's a genius when it comes to stylistic and um, cinematography and things like that. And I know, of course, there are other people working on those elements as well. But at the end of the day, the director has final say and final creative vision. Um, and I think she was the perfect choice for this. Again, we could talk about you know, issues we have here and there. And don't get me wrong, I will get into that. But at the end of the day, she was a great choice for tackling not only so many different characters and different stories that they have individually, but this just crazy out of the box uh, theme that Eternals is. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy went cosmic and that was a whole ordeal. This feels like another complete step up from Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think Chloe Zhao was the proper person to handle a film like this. Yeah, on that, I, I, I think we definitely agree. I, I think when it comes to the elements of uh, style and, and characters and just different, different things like that, I think in terms of who you have at the helm, Chloe Zhao was one of your was was definitely an excellent choice. I mean, I don't fault Chloe Zhao at all. Of this movie's, in my opinion, it, it is top tier MCU for me. Uh, and I just think, that, yeah, it is top tier MCU for me. So uh, that's just that's just uh, my my looking at it. I can't wait to see it again. I think it's. <laughs> I just think it's. I, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, and one of the criticisms that I noticed uh, coming out of it was a lot of people were talking about that it's it's very dense. Dense was the word that I heard more than more than anything. Uh, 
referring, I, I'm guessing, to the story of Eternals. Um, and I was sort of um, confused by that because as I was sitting in the theater, I was like, this story is not difficult to understand. Like, it's not, it's not like there are a lot of elements packed into it. Of course, you have 10 characters that, you know, saying that's a lot of story. Absolutely. And it covers a lot of ground from, you know, 7,000 years ago. So yeah, sure. However, I was like, when I think of dense, it's, it's where it's like, there's an idea of the story and the, and the plot and the point that we're trying to get to. Right. And we're having a tough time getting there. That's what I think of dense. And I did not find that in Eternals at all. Like I, I, I found it to be relatively easy to, uh, to follow along the, the idea of where the story was going. We got it. The, 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 the conflict or whatever it was that needed to be resolved. I felt that that was, that was fairly clearly explained. And, and I hate to make this comparison, especially so early, but, you know, uh, we watched Dune, what was it, last week or, or a few weeks ago. And if you want to talk dense, I felt it was weird that, that dense was the word used for Eternals, but not used for Dune. Because I was like, I was sitting in Dune at, at many a times a little bit confused and a little bit like, where exactly are we going? And there was more, I think, you know, struggle there than there was in Eternals. You, you tell me. So I was not on our episode for Dune, but I definitely agree that Dune was the more convoluted mm-hmm. of the two. That's actually my biggest issue with Dune. Um, but that's not the movie we're going to be talking about. We're talking about, of course, um, Eternals, not Shang-Chi, like I said earlier. Um <laughs> For me, it goes both ways, right? It goes both ways. On a very simplistic side of things, this story is is very simple. On the basic ground level, what is going on? Let's take a step back and look at the whole thing. It's a very simple story. You have these Eternals were created to go to Earth to stop the Celestials um, and save planets right? It's very simple. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty much what it is. Once you start getting into the legitimate details of it, that is when things start to get convoluted. So I agree with you in some aspects of it is that um, on the very baseline, there was um, a very simplistic storyline going on. It wasn't super convoluted. There wasn't a ton to take in. But once we start getting into, okay, well, I want to understand characters' motivations. I want to understand why things happen the way that they do. It does get a little sloppy. It definitely does. Okay. All right. Uh, Explain a little bit further what you mean there. Yeah. So I think some of the twists that happen. um, Mm -hmm. So Icarus has his twist where you know, he believes that he's supposed to serve this greater purpose and he doesn't care about earth as much. I I get that. That one straight shot, all set. Uh 
But the whole once we get into the whole erasing their memories and they were created to basically be the villains and and wipe out these beings that's where it starts to get really convoluted for me and i think part of the reason that's a little challenging to grip on the first time is because there's so much jargon and so much world building and so much thrown at you right away Mm -hmm. that i wasn't as lost as i was watching dune or lord of the rings for the first time but understanding the motivations of um what's the big guy's name again the uh the, the, the big celestial? yeah Arishim. Arishim, yeah understanding his motivations and why he is doing things and the eternal's greater purpose um that that's a little convoluted in my mind uh, okay uh i disagree um <laughs> please explain it to me then yeah um and that's because uh yeah, like I said, I, I, I do think these things were, were pretty clearly explained. Um, the Celestials, or the, sorry, yeah, the, the Eternals were created by the Celestials. And uh, this, is, this is their purpose. Their purpose is to essentially, you know, free the, de- uh, free the planets from the Deviants because the Deviants feed on human life. And that, that ultimately goes against uh, the Devi- uh, sorry, the, the Celestials ultimate plan which is you know to use human life to create a new celestial so i get that um the wiping of the memories is because if they don't then they'll know exactly what they've been doing and it's and you know saying it's like if you if you look at it like like in a biblical sense which i think the movie was aiming for is that the celestials are pretty much these god-like creatures and um you don't want your children to rebel against you. You know what I'm saying? So you wipe their memories, you keep them stored so that, you know what I'm saying? They don't know what they've done. So they can't really challenge you. Now, the, the, the thing was, Athena didn't have her memory completely wiped. And so she would flip out every now and then because she would remember what was, what they did, what they'd done on other planets. So this whole time, everyone's treating her like she's like, you know, this, a uh, messed up creature, you know what I'm saying? Someone who doesn't have it all together. And in, in reality, she's the one that knows more than anyone else. So it's, uh, <laughs> I thought they played that in, in incredibly well. And um, yeah, so that was the whole thing was just like trying to keep these guys uh, subservient. So they knew what their purpose was. And even when they found out the truth, you had people who would be like, it, you know, like, I understand, and you know what I'm saying, if, especially if you're uh, subservient to Erishim, as many of them were, you know what I'm saying? That's why you saw, what's his name, Icarus. Icarus was pretty much okay with, you know, continuing the plan that the Celestials had fought out. Sprite was on board because she she had her own selfish reasons for being on board. Even um, Kingo was like, I kind of agree with where you know, Arishim's plan is going, even though, yeah, you know, they each had a, a reason for wanting to continue. And you, and then there were others, you know, who had lived lives, real lives as human beings who were like, mm, I don't, I don't like that. So there was genuine conflict there. And I understood each side's um, 
arguments and what they were what they were for, whether it was the celestials or the eternals who agreed or the eternals who disagreed. So yeah, I just yeah, for me I was like everything was kind of laid out pretty clear, uh, unless I missed something. And, and I think you did a really good job explaining that. To me, it didn't come across as easily understandable as that. Um, I think they could have done a better job explaining some of that stuff, especially on first viewing. Um, as far as why Fina freaks out the way that she does, as far as because that's pretty glossed over, it just it just is. Um, and then I, I just think their whole twist that they went for the non Icarus twist, the just normal one. Um, I don't think it worked quite to the level that they expected it to which twist are we referring to the one that you just explained oh okay what what Arishim's what the celestials ultimate plan was yes yes about and i find it a little difficult as far as like that's a topic for another time never mind, never mind. <laughs> i mean I, I i get it and you know what i'm saying and like i said i feel like yeah, I, that's where I, that's where I think I disagree with with most people is like it everything I feel like most people have complained about I feel like was right there. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the idea of creating a celestial it, it it creates new life. So like yes, we'll have to destroy this planet to create it. Millions billions of people lost, but a new celestial can create new life. So if you try to stop that process, you are essentially preventing even more billions of lives. So it's it's a very real conflict. Do you save the billions of lives that you're fighting for, essentially, or do you, which which essentially risks hundreds of billions of lives that could be created? You know what I'm saying? So like to me, I felt like that's a genuine uh, area of conflict. You know what I'm saying? Like as a person that's not something you would actually ever deal with that's not a question you would deal with in your normal life but you know these are eternals and that is that is a question that they have to ponder is which is more important life that we already have or or new life to begin and who's to say which lives are more important than the other so like it was very existential um conflicts and i feel like maybe because the stakes were too high Maybe some people didn't feel that they connected to those things. That's at least that's where I'm where I'm going. I want to talk about the characters. Okay, dope. Um, because this is a very character heavy film. It's a very character driven film, mm-hmm. and I again I go back and forth. I love all the different characters that we have and the different styles and backstories and thought processes of each character it keeps things fresh especially for a long movie like this however i just i think that sometimes we lose out on character development um because of how many characters there are mm-hmm. um and first and foremost i know we're going to disagree on this okay. i know we are um they made cersei the protagonist or the the lead yes and she is probably the most stale protagonist we have in the MCU. I'm sorry. There's, there's nothing about her that's remotely interesting. She does. We don't get to learn too much about her character other than she 
dated Icarus, and now she's uh, dating well, uh, Dane. Well, technically she did not date Icarus. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You're talking about Cersei. Yes. Yes. Sorry. And Cersei, she just... I don't want to dislike these characters. Let me make that perfectly clear. Like, I want to like them. I think the actress did a fine job. Um, I have no problem with that. I just think to make her the main character, they don't give her enough interesting pieces or enough character development for me to care about her. Uh... Overall, she was a stale character. I would say I would say she's not stale, but she's serviceable, right? To the plot of the story. I feel like she serves what that story ultimately is is going for. That that's where I look at. That's where I'm at with it. Where it's like, yeah, she's not she's not in particularly like the 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 star or you know what I'm saying. She doesn't drastically move the story forward. But what she does is essential for the story that they're telling. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, she's essential, but it doesn't mean that she's an intriguing protagonist. Doesn't mean she drives the story forward. Um, It was just an odd choice. It was the whole like, oh, why did Ajax choose you to be our leader? You're right. Why? Why did she? (laughs) I mean, I get it. We don't want Icarus to be it because maybe, well, because he has bad intentions. Maybe Ajax saw that. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Why why Cersei? She really doesn't, she's not very powerful. She didn't display any leadership characteristics before (laughs) being chosen as the one. It's just a random choice, and I'm sorry. She's a stale protagonist. I mean, it also could have been just a case of, you know, right place right time but i i think in the end maybe you know you realize that she's the only one who could have stopped uh Arishima's plan you know based on what her power is so maybe that's why like you know what I'm saying not necessarily for leadership or or you know anything else but like you know she's technically she's not the most powerful one of of the eternals you could argue that that's definitely true um but her her particular power was the only thing that could stop Arishim's plan, I, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about some other characters that I found really interesting. And um, again, for those that don't know, I don't watch trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, there are few and far between. I, I watched the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer because... That's going to get spoiled for me, even if I did not watch the trailer. Right. Um, but for the most part, I'd say 99% of movies I do not watch trailers for. Uh, even when I'm at the theater, I, I'm not a little child about it. If I happen to catch a trailer, I'm not going to throw a fit. But I, I mostly tend to stay on my phone, not really mentally paying attention um, because I just don't like to do that. I like to go in pretty blind outside of knowing who the characters are. Uh, who's in it. And this isn't just for MCU movies. This is pretty much for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So without seeing the trailers, I did not know how much of a role Richard Madden had in this movie. Mm. And Icarus is far and away the most interesting character, uh, mostly because 
he was given the most depth and they gave him the most screen time of the 10 Eternals. Um, I was really impressed with him. I haven't seen him in a ton because I haven't watched Game of Thrones. Uh, just haven't seen a ton of his stuff. But man, he was he was great. I loved his character. I loved his performance. Um, all the way around, I was really impressed with Richard Madden. I I agree there. I think uh, he he was excellent. Yeah, he he was really excellent. And I think, you know, that character called for him to be pretty excellent. Like, he had a lot of screen time. He had a lot of character work uh, that he had to get through in this film. And, you know, in a film that has 10 main characters, you know, even with a lengthy runtime, it's a lot, it's a lot to, to, you know, a lot of characters don't get that level of development because maybe just in this particular story, like, it's not needed for them but at the same time i'm like i feel like everyone sort of did what they were supposed to do but yeah you're 100 right like in this particular story icarus is given the most development and as a character i i enjoyed him man i thought he was great i thought he you know saying and richard madden delivered it was it was a real good exploration of of the story of Icarus. You could argue that's the main uh, objective of this movie is the story of Icarus. Yeah. And you talked about biblical references. Mm-hmm. Um, with Icarus, it was most apparent, of course. Right. Um, of course, the story of Icarus with Greek mythology. I think even um, someone says it. I think it's Kumal Nanjiani's character, um, Kingo, mentioned something about you know, flying too close to the sun, which of course ties directly into the story of Icarus. If you're unfamiliar, uh, please go ahead and just spend a minute and look that up because it is really cool how they intertwine those um, between the movie and the the fairy tale, the folklore. Um, Yeah. Really impressed with that. Uh, His motivations wasn't a crazy out of nowhere twist. I was falling back in my seat, but I think it worked. I do think it worked. Um, One thing that I did not think worked is going to be the duality of villains, of antagonists. And that's something I want to get to in a minute um, while we wrap up talking about the characters here. Um, Just going to kind of go a little more quickly instead of highlighting each one because Mm -hmm. there's 10 of them. Um, For Sprite, I am in the very big minority on this. I like Sprite's character. I did. Oh. Uh, I know a lot of people online did not like Sprite. What? Um, <laughs> I, I I thought she was great. Sprite was amazing. I, I <laughs> thought the actress, Leah McHugh, did a great job. Absolutely. I thought the character, again, she is one of the characters that actually got a storyline, mm-hmm. unlike some of them. Um, and I think it worked. I think it really worked. You know, they're all the same age, but she is trapped inside the body of a child. Therefore, she is looked at as a child, even though they're all the same age. Um, and, and the struggles that come with that, like love and being on earth and seeing other children grow up and live their lives and experience different things. Meanwhile, she has to stay in that form the whole time. I thought that really, really worked. Um, it, it, it surprised me when, a lot of people, uh, some co-hosts on this show included, um, <laughs> did not like her character. No, that's surprised me. That's insane. I thought Sprite was really. I felt I felt her pain. I was like, 
that would be a terrible situation to be in. Here you are, a 7,000-year-old eternal. All of your friends who are also eternals are the same age, and you can't grow up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's awful. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's, that's actually a really awful thing. So, like, I loved her character, and I thought everything they did with Sprite was really great. And her so power then, was really cool, too. So then I want to I want to talk about real quick, just rattle off a, a lump of people is is Fastos played by uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Makari uh, played by Lauren Ridloff um, and then Druig played by Barry Kogan. Um, we're all three characters that I really enjoyed. I think that Makari fell victim and there's a couple yes, of yeah. them fell yeah. victim to just the overcrowded character. Yes, there's just so many. Um, to be honest with you, I forgot she was part of it. Yeah. And when she is stuck on the ship and then they come in and they're like, oh, yeah, she's here. I'm not going to lie. I forgot she was part of it because she's just when you have 10 characters that are all part of the Eternals and you got to focus on uh, some other side characters as well. Someone's going to get shafted on screen time. It's just going to happen. Makari was one of them. I really liked her character when she was shown. Unfortunately, she wasn't shown enough. Yeah, um, I think I think I agree with that. I feel like she's she's scattered throughout the first like hour and a half of, of the movie, but she doesn't really show up to like the end of the second act. You know what I'm saying? Most of the, much of the third. But her third act is dope. I feel like if 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 anything, it's the third act that win, wins me over with Makari because uh, yeah, she she just goes she goes ham and it's just great to see. And it's like part of the reason why I think the third act uh, fight scene is excellent is because of Makari. So that's, that's where I'm at with that. I, I also agree. Brian Tyree Henry, man, this dude does not miss. He does not miss. He's, he's literally becoming one of my favorite actors. Um, I thought he was incredible as Fastos. Uh, just, just a great story. And like, again, what I loved is how they tied these Eternals into historical events so, you know, there's Babylon, there's uh, uh, Macedonia, there's uh, Hiroshima, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. It was like, that's just like, you know, tying that stuff into history, it may not work for some people, but I did think that it was, it was cool to, to see where the Eternals um, effect took place in history, even if, you know what I'm saying, obviously it's fiction, but still. You know what I'm saying? That, I think that's a really cool thing. And I thought they did a really good job with it. Um, Brian Tyree Henry mm -hmm. just seems like a really fun person to hang out with. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. regardless of the characters he plays, he just seems like a fun guy you want to hang out with. Um, he's great. He he pulls off everything, not just in this movie, but in everything I've seen him in. Yeah. Um, talk about an actor with range that no one talks about. Yeah. He did a great job. And then uh, Barry Kogan as Druig, uh, another really fascinating character that I wanted to see more of. It yeah. seems like the internet definitely agrees with us on that one, yes. that he was a very solid character. Again, someone's going to get hit someone's on screen really, time. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately it was him. Um, his character, one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed him. And, and now I'm going to kind of transition into some of the Eternals that, I had some issues with, um, and, and uh, starting with Gilgamesh, no what? real, no real issue, no real issue, right. but I didn't have time to like him. Whereas, 
Whereas Makari and Druig, I liked them despite their lack of screen time. Gilgamesh, I, I don't have an opinion on because he had no screen time. Like it was, it was very kind that he looked after Athena, that he sacrificed, you know, his resources and maybe his life to, to watch over her. That's great. Unfortunately, I just didn't see him enough to, to like him, to care about him, but I didn't dislike him either. He's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kumal Nanjiani, of course, is 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 always going to be charismatic. I just didn't like how the character was written um, for Kingo. Talk about the worst powers of the Eternals as well. That that power is. I don't is, know. I thought, he, I thought he did. I thought his power was cool enough. You know, what I'm saying there were aspects of it where you know they they made it cooler than it was. I think him blowing the head off of a deviant was really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, you know. Uh, I agree on, on Gilgamesh. I enjoyed Gilgamesh, but you're right. He doesn't have enough screen time to really endear you. Um, despite, I, I still enjoyed him. Uh, Kingo, in my opinion, is probably the worst of, of the Eternals. Um, yeah, he's just, just, he's not written well. He's not written well. The, I felt the humor was way over the top. And I love, I love Kumail Nanjiani. Um, but, you know, he, he's, he can do humor well and, here it was just he was he's just written to be kind of a he's written kind of be, to be a joke and and it just wasn't it there were elements of it that didn't work literally every other character has humorous moments and they're all better <laughs> like you know even if it's just a one-off joke they're all better than than anything kingo does and that's upsetting but so that brings us then to possibly the two biggest actors that are the Eternals in Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie. Um, Selma Hayek as Ajak, she gets killed off almost immediately. I can't, I can't care about her when I only see her in flashbacks. And even in the flashbacks, she's kind of being difficult. Um, so unfortunately got to lump her into the people, the characters that I kind of roll my eyes over. Um, and then Angelina Jolie with Thena, we've already touched on this a little bit but um I, I just i don't think it worked as well as they wanted it to i saw what they were going for i felt like they had a plan in place and just the execution of it it did not come fully together she's never on screen until she's a problem so she's never on screen being a lending hand except for in the beginning fight where you have to introduce her she's never on screen being a mentor as you know, one of the more powerful ones. I feel like she's, I just naturally feel like she's one of the leaders of them. Um, She's never shown in any form other than being a problem for the Eternals until the end. And to me, that's a sign of a poorly written character. I would have loved to see them cut out four, three of these 10 Eternals and give her more screen time, flesh her out a little more. I don't dislike her. I just think she was poorly handled. I am going to have to disagree on that. Uh, I think she is there for for two purposes. One is to explain the the the, the big problem, right? The big problem with her memory and and what that is and how that affects the team. And I think that's a major key component um, that she adds to the story. The, the other thing is that, you know, tying into, you know, mythology and, and, 
you know, religion and history. Athena is a big major player in that. And I think in terms of just size and scale and, and what you think of when you think of Athena, I thought Angelina Jolie as Athena was impressive and met that uh, standard um, just as a badass. I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of her character. I felt like she uh, was there for those two purposes and served those two purposes. She brung gravitas and and you know scale to the eternals and she was there to uh specifically show us uh a key plot point so that's where i I was solid with her uh selma hayek i agree i love selma hayek i um I, i wasn't disappointed in her character but again her character doesn't see much screen time and and truthfully you could have had anyone play that role. It didn't need to be Selma Hayek. It was great that it was Selma Hayek. Sure, you know what I'm saying? That brings you that brings you in some money, I guess. But uh, it didn't need to be. It, it really could have been anybody. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, she still did great. It was it was just such a small role for someone as 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 big as Selma Hayek. You figure you get a, a name like that for a major role that involves a lot more. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, she, I, I, like I said, I think she did great. It was just, there wasn't enough there for her to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree. I uh, want to take a quick break real quick. Um, for those of you listening, if you would, please, if you like what you're listening so far, go ahead, follow the show over on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. All three are at Film Code Pod. Right now, we are the most active on Twitter. Instagram and TikTok are getting there, but Twitter is definitely the place you want to be. If you like what you hear, uh, give us a listen on all three. And then however you are listening to this, we do have hours upon hours of other content. I'm sure that you could listen to us on repeat, not even pause for days, maybe even a week, and you'll still have content to listen to. We've been doing this show for, gosh, almost a year, uh, almost a year and a half now. So we have a ton of content, other MCU stuff, DCU stuff, niche Oscar stuff, whatever you are looking for. Um, please go ahead and check out our other episodes. I know that you're going to be able to listen to us for days and not get sick of us. I know it. Um, so have you listened to that? Please go ahead. Check us out. Check and, uh, We really appreciate you listening. All right. So getting back to our discussion here, um, I, I think... We have we have to talk about the diversity here. We have to. Okay. It's it's brilliant. I mean, I I love I love that something like this can exist, right? Where they have a mute character who uh, communicates with sign language, mm-hmm. and then we have other diverse characters who are all created from the same because the Eternals were created. They were quite literally made by a god um and for not all of them i i was listening to another podcaster talk about well if the primary focus is um if the primary focus is to create the eternals to go ahead and just be this team that wipes out everyone why did you make one mute why did you make one a child well at the same time, you can't have 10 male buff 
Terminator looking guys, just all <laughs> the exact same. Like, of course, we can't do that. Um, but I loved seeing so many different um, backgrounds, so many different ethnicities represented here, um, as well as, I mean, this is huge for um, inclusion. You know, we talked to April Rain a while back about inclusion on screen and um, having someone with sign language in the MCU now, it's wonderful. You know, and uh, like, I love that you brought up that point. Like, uh, yeah, you, let's say they did this movie 10 years ago, 10, 20 years ago. The idea that it would be 10 buff, straight white guys is entirely possible. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? There's no reason to, to <clears throat> really switch that up. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it could have been that. Um, but what I love about it and why I think the diversity in, is, is very key is, you know, and this is, a, this is an aspect that I, I wish they had touched on a little bit more. It is touched on in Sprite's character. But I think it's something that you could definitely touch on more in a few other characters is, you know, the Celestials are, are basically kind of gods, right? And right. they created these people, you know what I'm saying? And they made them all different, obviously, like we all are, right? And one is, one is deaf. What, two, three, are, two of them are Black. Two of them are Hispanic. Uh, one is Asian um what like uh one is gay you know what i'm saying one yeah. is indian you know what i'm saying like like so it's like okay here's this diverse array pool and sprite i think is is the only one who sort of delves into the issue of self-hatred you know what i'm saying in a, in a way where it's like you know i definitely want to end this so you know maybe it can be different next time I feel like that would have been an interesting element to, to dive into with other characters, with Cersei even, with um, Kingo, you know what I'm saying, getting tired of his, uh, uh, you know, fame or whatever. Uh, even Fastos having some self-hatred towards, you know, his homosexuality, anything like that, you know what I'm saying? You could have, you could have dove into that a little bit more. And I think that also would have been very interesting to see, you know, where the team differs in, in that aspect of, you know, getting a second chance or maybe redoing it or maybe, you know what I'm saying, getting to be someone else. There's that element of it. And um, so that's that's something that I, I think is really interesting. And, and the thing that you get with diversity as opposed to just having the same kind of character throughout. Well, and, and the opportunity was here. Yeah. The opportunity was here. You're casting 10 people, um, the opera, 10 heroes. Yes. The opportunity was here to do this, to include a gay character, to include a mute character, to include other ethnicities, other races. And they did. And I love that. I love that. Um, and, and that's something that we absolutely needed to talk about. And I'm glad we did. And I wish more of um, people talking about this movie would recognize that. And maybe it's a good thing that they aren't talking about it because it's normalized now. Maybe right. people have recognized that this is something that's normal, so there's nothing to talk about with it, which would be great. Unfortunately, I don't think that's quite the case yet. Um, yeah. Nonetheless, I think it was great. Um, one thing that I did want to talk about, too, was 
the um the um crow the celestial that was voiced by bill skarsgård um no crow the celestial that kills uh ajak and gilgamesh and then absorbs their power you mean the deviant the deviant excuse me yes there's just so much language here i'm getting lost in it see thanks no um yes the deviant excuse me this is what i touched on earlier a little bit i think there was a little bit of conflicting with who the villain was because not that you need one true clear-cut villain that's not what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but in the first half of the movie up until icarus's reveal we think that crow the deviant is the main antagonist the thing we are trying to stop it's killed two of our own mm-hmm. once we get icarus's reveal and his true intentions crow is just completely out of the picture like does not exist no threat until he shows up again at the end and to me that's just they used Crow as almost like a, a, a band-aid, a distraction, a way to just buy time to get to Icarus's reveal. Because think about it this way. So they needed Icarus to reveal at some point his true intentions. Well, they need to go to Earth for him to be able to reveal his true intentions. They need some type of conflict to draw that out of Icarus. Well, what's the conflict going to be? Well, they writ, they wrote, excuse me, they wrote a very good conflict to set up the greater conflict to let the dominoes fall. And then once they got to the point they needed with Icarus's reveal, they stopped. It's it's kind of like they half-assed it. It's something that doesn't quite sit well with me in the fact that Crow was this solid villain, this threat but ultimately was just used as a stepping stone, as a step to get to Icarus's reveal. And then once that, once you were at the place you wanted to go, the step is just gone. There's, it's like it never even existed. Again, I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> um, I think what this film does incredibly well is that there are multiple villains. And each one, I feel, is a, is a very credible threat. You have Crow the Deviant, who, you know, has killed two of the uh, uh, Eternals and absorbed their powers, which is, is, is crazy. Uh, and yeah, that's a viable threat. Then you have Erishem and his plan and what that would entail, and that's a viable threat. Then you have Icarus, who's in itself is a viable threat. To me, it was like, again, I, I, I go back to this point where I feel like the stakes in this movie were extremely high, but they weren't high on a relatable level. So I feel like that's where the, a lot of the disconnect is, is coming from. Like the Celestials are a genuine threat. Um, Crow is a genuine threat. But I think the, the the main threat that a lot of people attached was Icarus. And Icarus is a threat, yes, absolutely. But if you're looking at 
if you're looking at it that way, then he he's only a threat in in the third half of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the other two sort of feel too distant. Whereas I I personally feel like each one was a major major threat and and is the reason why like I was so invested in this movie is like how like once you get past Icarus, then you got to stop Crow, then you got to stop Erishim. You know what I'm saying? It was like layers. It was like each one is 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 equally dangerous. So I was like. That's where I was at with it. And I loved how each one got handled. You know what I'm saying? It was, we had Athena, you know what I'm saying? Had to battle her demons. And finally she ended, she took Crow's life for killing her friend. Absolutely loved it. Then you had the whole team had to gang up on Icarus. And finally, you know what I'm saying? You know, it, it came to a head and, you know, Icarus is a bad mojo, you know what I'm saying? And they finally, you know, <clears throat> ultimately it was love that ended up, you know, forcing him to not, go through with it which i enjoyed and you know maybe that's another reason why ajak you know gave uh cersei the lead because you know that that would be the reason why she would uh she could be able to stop it and then you have the threat of the celestial that they that they are able to stop and that holds erishan's plane so for me it was levels to it and again like because it's on such a higher uh plane than say your your average marvel fair it may have been a little bit harder to connect with, but for me, I just, I, I was able to connect with it all. And I, and I thought it was equal or different levels of stress <laughs> for the characters. So you've been pretty glowing overall. I do want to know what's something that you had a problem with in this film. Well, two, two major things. And these are the things that I feel that, uh, you know, if you were a critic who didn't like this film, these were the things that I was like, I could totally see where the, the your issue is. The first one is we've gotten to the point now where we have more heroes and villains than we do people. You know what I'm saying? It's to the point where it's like, you know, we've got the Avengers, we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy, we've got Thor, and we've got Black Panther and Wakanda and um, you have Fantastic Four coming. We have Blade coming. We got the Eternals. We got Black Knight coming. You know what I'm saying? It's like everyone that we're meeting is either a hero, a villain, and like oh. where, are the, where are the regular people? You know what I'm well, saying? And it goes it goes a little bit of both ways, right? Like we're not going to make people the movie in course. the MCU. But also, but also, you're right. We are taking not everyone has to be a hero. Not right. everyone. They took um, Bucky Barnes, made him a hero. Now I think Bucky's a, a solid character, and he's been for years. I think a prime example is Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. Right. Now I love Natalie Portman. She's one of my favorite actresses. Yes. But this is another character that they're taking just as a normal person. They're going to make her a hero. And that's a discussion for another time. I have nothing to say about Thor, that movie at this point in time. But I agree with you. And now they're taking Kit Harrington's character. And he's going to be a hero. Be and, and, and again, maybe you're a big defender. You're a comic book reader, whatever. And you're saying he was that the whole time. Right. Okay. Well, when can we start including some folks who are not these things right they, they did it with 
with Rhodey in when he becomes War Machine. Like they did it with Pepper too when she gets her power. Like why does everyone have to be a hero? When can we just get these folks that are contributors to the story right. that you do want to talk about that add value? Right. That are not heroes, not Rachel McAdams in Doctor Strange, not Stellan Skarsgård in Thor. Like, where are these folks that are just going to add value that aren't superpowered? And and like I said, there are movies where there are those people. You know, I think the Spider-Man movies have those people. Happy is definitely one of those guys. It's just like, and, and like I said, this isn't my criticism. This is just something I feel like if, you know, this is something that you've seen or noticed. I can totally get with that. The other uh, criticism that I think um, I think is valid is, you know, if you've been following the MCU, uh, you know, from 2008 to now, that main timeline, that Infinity Saga timeline, um, you see so much uh, work in protecting identity, right? Obviously, the first Iron Man ends with him telling people that he's Iron Man, right? Sure. Um, people know who who Captain America is. Absolutely, you you could argue the whole OG Avengers is known, sure, but the whole end of Far From Home was the reveal of Spider Man's identity. That's a big guy. That's a big deal. Like you know what I'm saying? Like people aren't supposed to know that. Uh, you know, it, and that's the that's sort of the thing. And then in in this one, not only do people know who the these heroes are, these seven thousand year old Eternals. You know, it's sort of like, eh, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not even like, oh, you're, you're an eternal. It's like, yeah, of course you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's sort of glossed over and like, and I can get where, you know, saying the, the awe of it is missing for, for some people and the idea, and this is, this is my main criticism that I, that I think is a, is a valid one. The cosmic uh, MCU so far has existed in outer space in realms where it makes more sense seeing the cosmic elements in the eternals on earth and and always on earth is a bit hard to to swallow there are there are moments in this movie where it's like you like they you sort of tiptoe outside of the bounds of suspension of disbelief and go into the the realm of of no <laughs> like yeah like that's a bit ridiculous i'm with and you so, like, can we can we get some stories that completely do not have earth in it at all yeah like like we have guardians of the galaxy we have thor we have eternals am i forgetting one we have captain marvel right all of them have something to do with earth like really i get that we are this is our whole universe. If you're listening to this, you are part of earth. Right. (laughs) I get it. Well, maybe you're not, I get it. But if this is such a giant universe and the, the MCU is building this whole big thing, can we have some stories that completely take place on other planets, another universe, completely, completely like, is it too much to ask to not see earth now? Please, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I did not leave this movie thinking, well, why didn't it take why did it take place on Earth? And this isn't something I've thought about until you brought it up. 
Yeah. And it's not going to hurt the movie. It's not going to affect my score. If the MCU is getting so big, which it is, it's getting massive. Yeah. Let's get some stories that don't have anything to do with Earth, please. Not Guardians of the Galaxy, not Captain Marvel, not Eternals, because yes, those are cosmic, but those all eventually go to earth those all have part of their stories on it please let's go somewhere else because it's just it's you (laughs) cosmic if it's so cosmic be actually cosmic yeah and that's probably i think my main gripe is like it's just it's super cosmic and the idea that it's taking place in like san francisco and people right like People are like, let's think these. about this for a minute. Like, yeah. you know, every like, MCU movie, except for maybe like two or three, mm-hmm. has some mega conflict on Earth. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think know, at people, this people point, the Eternals, the, the Eternals are aware of what Thanos did. Right. They, they bring it up. Aren't they going to be like Earth? They have the Avengers. They have <laughs> Captain Marvel. They have Thor. They have Black Widow. They have all these guys. What the hell? Why do we need to be here? Like, yeah, and that's that's where I'm at with it. It's like you know you you're showing these events on the news, and people are watching it as if it's everyday life. You know what I'm saying? At some point, it's it's not special. You know what I'm saying? And and that's where I'm like, we we sort of dip outside of the bounds of reality. Like, I love the scene with Fastos and his husband, but like, you know, like the idea that like all of these people who are in relationships tell their partners yeah i'm a seven thousand year old eternal and they're just cool with it like like what like yeah i never age yeah i've been here since you know the bc age like what like and i'm like and 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 you're just cool with it you're, you're cool with it like he just says hey you gotta go take care of this go take care of it like okay i mean i i, I don't know maybe it's me i'm like maybe it's me i just think that's a bit of a stretch and especially for where we've been in the MCU for so long, you know, the idea that we're just going to be like, eh, you know, throw out a lot of the conventional rules, we're doing our own thing, which is it's, it's a double-edged sword. I appreciate it because Chloe Zhao brought something incredibly different to the MCU. I definitely appreciate that. And on the other hand, I'm like, some aspects of the MCU have to remain intact here. And I think they just, they just a few times, they just tiptoe outside of those bounds and it's a little bit harder to suspend your disbelief uh, in those aspects. Well, and again, I don't, I don't want to be looking at it too hard and I don't want to be, you know, the, the Mr. Non-Fun guy here, but (laughs) at the end of the day, you're building a universe. You want to have credibility. You're telling me no one from the heroes that we've already established in this universe all of the heroes in the 25 movies we've had before this saw all this crap going down on earth with yeah, the Eternals were doing and not, not a single one was like, do we go help out with that? What's going on now? I am not complaining again. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining that black Panther or Ant-Man or Dr. Strange or whomever didn't show up in this. That's not what I want. No, but all the heroes we have, all the surveillance we have, someone saw all that giant eternal fighting going on and no one was like, what's going on over there? What's going on? It would be helpful if like even a, a couple lines in a future project 
would think, help. I think, I think would just create works. some continuity and yeah. be like, I yeah, well, over that. in we we got some celestials fighting. We didn't want to intervene. Let them handle their own business. Like, great, check. Right. We we know that that there was some belief going on. Yeah, I think we'll definitely get that in some future projects. Uh, yeah. So like, on on one end, like yeah, you can argue some elements don't work as well, and the idea of it being so sort of it's it's in the MCU, but it's also sort of it feels like its own separate story. While I think in many aspects that's a plus, if you've followed along the MCU path and you're used to MCU movies, it can be a negative because it's like it's just not what I'm used to, and it's so far outside of the realm of what Marvel movies have been that I just can't connect with it. So I feel like that may be a lot of people's criticisms. Apparently it's more people than I realize, and that's fine. But for me, I, I just, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie and I thought it was a lot of fun. So let's, let's talk about the post-credit scenes now. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I because you know post credit scenes are Marvel's one of Marvel's biggest things now. Mm-hmm. It's what gets us excited. It's what gets us talking. Unfortunately, I had this a little overhyped for me. Um, I was told that these were earth shattering. <laughs> they're not. They are not. Uh, they are not. <laughs> uh, once again, in case you're still listening, we are talking spoilers. If for whatever reason you haven't seen the post credit scenes yet, now's your chance to stop. Um, I do want to start with the second one because it does feed into exactly what I'm saying. Um, I was told that this was earth shattering, that this was unreal. And by numerous people, not by just one person. And it ends up being a character talking off screen who we do not see who says one line that I don't even recognize his voice. (laughs) Now, yes, I understand who it is now. I understand the internet. We can look it up. And that Chloe Zhao confirmed that it's Mahershala Ali's Blade. But in the theater, when you're like, okay, here it is. This was hyped up for me. And you hear one line by a guy you don't recognize his voice. And then it ends. I'm sorry. That that is not exciting. I literally said out loud in the theater, who the hell was that? (laughs) I was like, who was that? Like... And, you know, no one gave me an answer. Like, I've heard a few people chuckle. I was like, am I supposed to know who that is? Like, because I'm like, I could tell, maybe this is just me. I could tell from the 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 the, the tone of the voice that it was a Black character. But I was like, yeah, I agree. Is it Fury? Is like, I was no, like, my, my friend swore to me that it was him. And I just, first of all, in the continuity of the MCU, it doesn't make sense. No. And then... um. I know Samuel Jackson's voice. Yeah, it was. It was not. It was not him. I I heard someone behind me think it was Jeffrey Wright for the Watcher. That and weird. again, that just would not make sense. Um, <laughs> but I, I I'm with you. I I could tell that it was. Yeah, I knew it was a black yeah. character. I was. Just I didn't like, know who it was though. Yeah. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, okay. that, like cool. it made it more special. That it was like, oh, okay, you know. So we went from zero sword guys to two sword guys. Yeah, cool. yeah. sweet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like it was, it was one of those things where it's like, I think I'll appreciate that scene more 
once we get the Blade movie. But as of right now, I was just like, this is a character that we haven't seen and we still haven't seen. So like, not exactly sure where it's gonna go. I mean, I'm obviously interested because I'm like, if you've ever read the comics, the Eternals sort of exist on a separate plane from the rest of the MCU. You know what I'm saying? In the same way, like the X-Men exist on a separate plane from the rest of the MCU. Same with Blade, you know what I'm saying? Blade is, he deals with a specific world that, you know, it'd be weird for Avengers to show up in, right? You know what I'm saying? Like the only time you ever see Blade team up with, you know, the traditional members of the MCU is when his world leaps out of leaps out and goes into theirs. That's it. You, you're not going to see Spider-Man jump into the underground vampire scene. It's just not, not going to happen. So that's where I'm at with it. it it's cool to, to see like, you know, these movies will be tied together, Eternals and Blade. And I think that's a cool thing. And they can exist sort of in the same realm as the rest of the MCU, but not at the same, not on the same wavelength. And they don't really cross paths a lot. I would appreciate that a lot more than having everything tied into the same timeline, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I agree. It just, so what does this confirm that Dane is going to be in Blade? Like that doesn't, I'm sorry, it doesn't get me excited because I don't know, I don't know too much about Dane. I'm not a comic book reader. I know that he's going to be Black Knight, but like this doesn't, him being in Blade doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Or Blade being in Eternals 2 doesn't mean anything to me. Like, it just doesn't. A, a, a reveal, things that I think work with similar type reveals, right, is Black Widow, that end credit scene. We find out that Yelena, a character that we have spent a couple hours with getting to know, mm-hmm. we like, we find out she is going to be in a future project, mm-hmm. Hawkeye great we know this character and we know that character even if it was a little different if we found out yelena was going to be in loki i don't i don't know or ant-man 3 like okay a character that we're a little bit not as familiar with fine at least we just spent all this time with yelena and we know her and we are excited to see her in a future project this is the opposite. We don't know anything about Dane. We don't. We kind of have a little bit of mystery, but I don't have any relevance to him. The biggest reason I'd like him is because I like Kit Harrington. I feel like that's the biggest reason a lot of people would like him. <laughs> if it was some no, if it was some no name, this character would not matter at this current point in time. Mm-hmm. And then we get Blade, who we don't even see. You don't even know that's him until you look it up on your phone later. Right. Like, it's hard to get excited about two characters you know nothing about deciding to team up versus Yelena is going to be in Hawkeye, two characters we know a lot about. Right. Well, now I was already looking forward to Hawkeye because I know that character and I just spent two hours with Yelena. Great. Great. That's perfect. Um, I'm trying to think of another example off the top of my head. I can't for the moment, but that's a perfect example in my mind like yeah that that that's a perfect example in my mind yeah no that, that's that's 100 right i'm trying to think the scrolls that. the scrolls is another example the end yeah. of far from home we see the scrolls okay mm-hmm. the scrolls are characters we've already spent time with we might not love them but we know who they are 
We know what they're about. We spent time with them. They're going to appear in some future project. We know now what it was at the time we didn't. Great. That's going to get me a little bit more excited because I know who they are. I don't know who Dane is. Yeah. We don't, his screen time was like four minutes and he's going to be with a character that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. It's one of those. I'm sorry. That's not earth shattering. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's definitely a pull for the comic book readers. The comic book readers will definitely get a kick out of that. And that's cool. You know what I'm saying? You know, the rest of us will just have to wait and see what happens there. But I, and I think that for both in credit scenes, they both feel like a nod to the comic book readers. And, and, and there's a reason for that because Eternals itself is a very off kilter comic book, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's like only people who have read Eternals can really appreciate, I think, those last two end credit scenes because that's when much of the Eternal storyline can be explored and, and, and what they tie into. So basically what I feel like both of those end credit scenes were was a nod to the comic book fans and a tie in the future projects. Like basically if we were starting from scratch, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's what they are. It would be like, okay, you've introduced us to three, four characters who we have not met yet. Cool. We're going to do something with them eventually. Can't wait. But as of right now, no nothing. Can't really get excited unless you've read the comics. I think I figured out, too, the MCU's like end credit scenes and what they're going to be. Because generally, generally, for the most part, of course, this doesn't apply to everything. But if there's two end credit scenes, one's going to set up a sequel. Mm-hmm. Just going to happen. If there's a movie like Black Widow where there's not a sequel coming, it'll set up a future project. I think Black Widow only had one, too. Anyway. Um, or, and the second one either sets up the future of the MCU, a future project, or it's a joke. And... There we go. That's pretty much what it's been. Shang-Chi did that, set up a sequel, set up the future. The um, Eternals did that, set up a sequel, set up a future. I mean, it's just what it is now, and that's okay. Um, I fully expect No Way Home to do the same thing. Probably sets up, maybe not a sequel, but sets up maybe a Miles Morales-type sequel and then sets up a future. So be it. That's fine. WandaVision did the same thing. WandaVision set up a future with actually set up two futures. So, so be it. Um, Regardless, not every end credit scene is going to knock your socks off. Not every end credit scene needs to be earth shattering, get me pumped for the next project. And at the end of the day, it did introduce virtually three legitimate new characters in Dane blade and, um harry styles character star fox essentially it introduced three new characters and uh pippin the what is he a that's uh, i'm not catching troll or something a leprechaun i don't know yeah <laughs> so that's cool but at the end of the day didn't get a whole lot out of it yeah and i think and i think sometimes that's fine you know um because it 
you know, if every single in credit scene is like, oh, it starts to lose its, you know, starts to lose its appeal. So like we got two that are kind of like, eh, okay, you know, and we've had those before, especially with some of the joke in credit scenes where you're like, really, that's what you did? Seriously? Right. And it's cool because then when we do get one of those like mind blowing ones, it's like fresh again. So I, I, I get it. All right. Well, any final thoughts? Uh, for me, like I said, while it does sometimes tiptoe outside of the bounds of, of uh, suspension of disbelief, overall, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I really loved the characters. I really enjoyed the story. I felt that it flowed really well. The acting was really great, uh, especially from uh, certain characters we mentioned. Um, I liked the the globe trotting in it all, and the production design was incredible. The cinematography was beautiful. The direction was solid. You can definitely see that come through for me. And it has a killer third act, which is amazing, and I really enjoyed. Uh, I can see myself watching this movie multiple times. It is top tier MCU for me. Uh, so. I enjoyed it. I hope Chloe Zhao is brought back for future MCU projects. All right. Well, this is going to be a B plus for me to three and a half stars. It's a solid rating, mm-hmm. um, especially given, I think, uh, all the hate this movie gets. It's still a very respectable score. Yeah. Um, not sure quite where that's going to fall in my MCU rating. Uh, when I originally left the theater, it was a four. I had a blast with it. But as I kind of heard other people bring up some great points and just sleeping on it, thinking about it some more, definitely had some issues arise that I didn't immediately think of. It's a three and a half for me. Still very respectable. Um, and to be honest with you, that puts it better than both the other MC movies that have come out so far this year. So still an improvement in that sense. Um, but we're going to wrap this up. A four from Phoenix, right? A three and a half from me. And uh, that is wonderful. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, Phoenix, where can the people find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudin. Uh, I am finishing my Stanley Kubrick binge, uh, which has been going fairly average um yeah so uh you can catch uh all of my reviews on that and uh yeah see you soon awesome my name's nathan pig you can find me on letterbox at nathan pig that's where i go ahead and log my films um let me know you're a listener of the show would really love to talk with you um and thank you so much for listening however you're listening to this if you made it this far in the episode chances are you like at least a little bit of what you hear hopefully a lot of it Please go ahead, follow the show over on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Film Code Pod. We are just starting to get a little bit more lively on Instagram and TikTok. Twitter for sure. Head on over there. We're going to be doing some Q&As and some lives as well as opportunity to come on the show and ask us some questions as well. However you're listening to this, please go ahead and check out our other episodes. I know there's some stuff on there that you will love. And however you're listening, if you could, please, if you're willing... Give us a five star. Give us a thumbs up. Whatever that rating system looks like. It only takes a couple seconds and we would really appreciate it. Eternals. It's done. It's here. Next up for the MCU. Got the big one. No way home. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate it. 
and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.